Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. We are in the book of Ephesians, and I hope that you are enjoying what God is doing. Um, So far in this series, we've learned about who we are in Christ. We've learned about the incredible things that Jesus is doing for us. We've learned how much Jesus loves us. We've learned about our relationship with God. We're just beginning to look at some teachings on the church. Um, If you were here last Sunday in the first service, you didn't hear the message, so I want to encourage you, you can go online and you can listen to Pastor Mark. We teach the same message at both campuses. You can listen to Pastor Mark as he teaches from Ephesians chapter 2. Today, we're going to dive into Ephesians chapter 3, and we're beginning to look at our responsibilities as a church. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 13 today, and as we see... Paul come to Ephesians chapter 3, we see something begin to happen. And Paul, what we see in Ephesians 3 verse 1 is Paul starts a prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1, but he gets distracted. Um, Something diverts his attention, and Paul seems to get off track for about 13 verses, and then he picks that prayer back up in verse 14, but I want us to look at it. You see it on the screen there, starting in verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And what's happening here is Paul is launching into a prayer. But before he starts this prayer, Paul interrupts himself, and he takes a detour to show the, uh, the Ephesians that his imprisonment in Rome shouldn't discourage them. It shouldn't get them to lose their focus on God, to stop trusting in God. It shouldn't cause them to discredit him as an apostle of Jesus. And Paul, what we really see here, rather than Paul grumbling and complaining about being in prison, Paul overflows with incredible joy. And Paul, what we see happening here is Paul is showing us in Ephesians how to have this incredible joy no matter what life throws our way. So Paul is writing this letter to the church of Ephesus from a prison in Rome. And I'm not going to go into great detail of why Paul is in this prison in Rome other than to tell you two things. Number one, he's in prison in Rome because, listen to this, he brought a Gentile into a temple. And the second reason he's in this prison in Rome is because he's teaching Gentiles and Jews that they can come to the same God together. And he's teaching this, well, they don't like that, and so they put him in prison. You can see the backstory of this in Acts chapter 21 and in Acts chapter 22. You can see that unfold. And I don't know about you guys, but I've said this before. If I find myself sitting in a jail cell because of preaching a gospel message, I'm probably not going to be overflowing with joy. I'm probably going to be complaining. I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be saying this is not fair. I'm going to be deciding, do I give up my assignment that God has asked me to do? And more than likely, I'm going to be throwing a pity party for myself in that jail to anybody that will listen. But this isn't what Paul is doing here. Paul is not throwing a pity party. And what we find happening in these 13 verses, and I want you to hear me right now, Paul takes a different posture than many of us do when life gets tough. Paul begins to overflow with joy. 
Paul is confident. Paul is resolute in the fact that he's doing what God has asked him to do, and Paul stays on assignment. And listen, Paul does this even in the most unenjoyable of places, a jail cell. And I think it's very fitting the season that many of us find ourselves walking through, that Ephesians is what we're studying, and chapter 3, verse 1 through 13 is what we're going to dive into today. And what I want to do is I want to show you six things from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 through 13 that I see Paul doing um, where his posture is different. But Paul is also encouraging us and speaking to us as the church. But before we do, I want us, I want us to pray today. Hey, Jesus, I just want to take a minute. And I want to first of all acknowledge you. And I want to thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for being in the room. And I want to ask that not only you're here when we worship, but God, I want to ask you to move in this message. I don't know that I've ever preached a message like I'm getting ready to today. Where I truly feel that this is something you're calling the church to, but very specifically Destiny Church. And so, Father, I ask that you would speak through me today. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. And, God, I've prayed this prayer so many messages. But, God, I pray today that you open all of our ears. Even those watching online, open our ears. May we not be distracted today. Remove any distraction from this room, anything that would try to divide. Remove it. Open our hearts to hear this word. And, God, where we wouldn't tune it out when it gets maybe a little bit uncomfortable for us. Would, you, would we respond to this message? In your name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Six things. The first one I want you to see this morning is this. God has a good purpose in tough times. God has a good purpose in tough times. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 again. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles. Now I want you to see something here. Paul is a prisoner of Nero. He is chained to a, a guard. He's chained to a soldier. It looks like the emperor is in control. It looks like Paul's life has spiraled very much out of control. But I want you to look at how Paul looks at his situation in the jail. It is obvious who's put him in jail. Nero, right? It's obvious. that. The, but look at what Paul says. Paul looks at this. He says, Jesus has me in jail. Do what? No, Nero has you in jail. No, Paul says, I'm in jail. Christ Jesus has put me here. Prison was God's way of bringing Paul to preach the gospel to the Romans, the Gentiles in Rome. Prison was God's way of getting them there. It might have looked as if all hope was lost. It might have looked as if things were out of control. But the exact opposite is actually happening here. Paul is exactly where Jesus wants him, doing exactly what Jesus wants him to do, taking the gospel to Rome. Now, I don't know Paul. I've never had the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with Paul. But I'm assuming that if Paul were here talking to us today, Paul would say, prison was not the way I anticipated that I would share the gospel of Jesus. But Paul wasn't in control. God was, right? Right? I think, that's, I think that's just something that maybe we just kind of skirt over and you don't think that that's an important part of the message. But God's in control. You're not. God has a good purpose in tough times. 
And so it leads me to a question I want to ask you guys today. And I really want us to think about this question. Why does the Lord allow tough times in our lives? Why does the Lord allow tough times in our marriage? Why does the Lord allow tough times emotionally and mentally and in our soul? Why does the Lord allow tough times in our family, in our ministry, in our church, in our world? Why does the Lord allow hard times, times that don't make sense? If you want, to be, if you want me to be a completely honest this morning, why does the Lord allow things to happen in our lives that oftentimes don't seem fair? I mean, when I read this story, this is just, this is me, Pastor Chad, this takeaway pastor part. This is Chad Blancet talking. This is what I think about when I read stories like this. Why is Paul in jail for doing what you've asked him to do? It doesn't seem fair. Here's what I believe. Here's what the Lord spoke to me this week when I was writing this message. Here's what he said. I'm not in the business of growing your comfort level or your convenience. Now, I want you to hear me. The Lord is concerned about your comfort. I really believe he is. I believe the Lord wants you to have a good life. I believe the Lord wants you to enjoy your life. But that's not his number one priority. His number one priority is not your comfort or your convenience. His number one priority is building your character and growing you. Why? So we can be effective in building the church. His number one priority is growing you and maturing you. We even see that in Ephesians chapter 2. We looked at this last week, 21 and 22. I want to read this to you. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. But look at verse 22. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling which God lives by his spirit. We are being built. God's number one desire, I believe, in our lives is to build us, to mature us us to grow us, not to give us comfort and convenience. God is in the business of building the church. He's not in the business of growing your comfort so you can live an easy, carefree life. I want you to catch this today. I believe that God uses tough times to shape our character. I believe God uses tough seasons to grow our love for him. Here's what I've discovered especially during COVID, hard times, if we will allow them, realign our priorities. Let me say it again. Hard times, if we will allow them. Here's the deal. Oftentimes we find ourselves in hard times and we want to get out of them as fast as we can. God, get me out of this. And God's saying, no, I'm refining you. No, I don't want to be refined. I want to go back to my comfortable life. And oftentimes we jump off ship Because we're in a hard time. No, stay on course. Hard times realign our priorities. I've discovered that. Listen, if we will learn to lean into the Lord like Paul did with a joyful attitude, if we will change our posture from one of complaining and worrying and being negative to one of being joyful, listen to me, I believe we will find ourselves growing and maturing in our faith and being who God has called us to be. Hard times refine us. Hard times build us. Look at what James chapter 1 verse 2 says. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity, listen, to experience the greatest joy you can. 
For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. In verse 4, and then as your endurance grows even stronger, listen to this, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Hard times put stuff in us that wasn't there in the first place. Did you hear that? That's what the word says. Hard times put things in you that God wants in you. But we want to dodge hard times. We want to avoid them. Listen, God is not in the business of growing your comfort. God is in the business of growing you as an individual. Let me just kind of throw a little curveball at you. And some of you maybe are going to hate me for this one right here. But maybe something you've never heard or thought about. But at least I think this is something worth considering. If you want terrible kids. How many of you want terrible kids? Raise your hand. Anybody in the room? How many of you have terrible kids? Don't raise your hand, all right? Yeah, I figured you'd be one. I figured you'd be one that'd raise your hand. Good thing I'm adopted. But anyway. By God, right? Let's be spiritual, but anyway. But now, if you want terrible kids, here's the deal. Pray that they never face adversity. Uh, I'm not going to pray that, Pastor Chad. If you want kids who are spoiled, if you want kids who are entitled, if you want kids who are brats, and I've never had anybody tell me, I just want an entitled, spoiled kid. Pastor, that's really what I'm dreaming for. I've never heard anybody say it, but if you want one of them, give them everything they ever ask for. Be a helicopter mom or dad, hover over them, and make sure you keep them from all adversity. And this one's my favorite. This is, this, is, this, is, this is a free one right here. But give them a trophy even when they don't win, all right? Anybody else, anybody else on board with that? Malik, my six-year-old, his, uh, his, we played coach pitch this year. And we were the youngest team. And we improved. We were playing. There was kids that were giants playing our team. And we improved and we did get better. And I'm like, there's a future for this team. But this year they were not the best team. And all they wanted was their medals. I never went and picked up the medals. Because they didn't deserve medals. They didn't win the league. But anyway. <laughs> Tasha keeps like, are you going to get the medals? No, I'm not going to get the medals. They don't deserve medals. All right, let's get back on track. All right, let's get back on the message. But if you want great kids, if you want great kids, hear me. I'm taking this right from James. If you want great kids, pray that they face some adversity. Not a lot of adversity. But pray that they face some adversity in the right time, in God's timing, so that God matures their faith. If you want great kids, listen to me. Pray that they face some adversity. That's what the Bible's telling us. In God's timing, why? So that God would grow their faith through it. And this is what I believe God does for us. As his kids, guess what? You're God's son. You're his daughter. He allows us to face tough times. And in those tough times, he grows our character. And in those tough seasons, he grows us as individuals. And he puts things, he deposits things in us that we need for life. Please hear me. God has a good purpose in tough times. But it's not only about you in tough times. It's about others, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. But I just want to remind you, if you're in a tough season of life, let me remind you, God's still in charge. Life is not out of control. God has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He is just refining you. Number two, 
Part of my purpose, let me say it this way, part of the purpose of my pain is for others. What? It's my pain. No, part of the purpose of my pain is for others. Everybody say that word, say others. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 3, 2, 3, 1 and 2. Beloved friends, because of my love for Jesus, I am now his prisoner for the sake of all who are not Jews. What a, what a mindset. So that you will hear the gospel that God has entrusted me to share with you. Why was Paul in jail? Why was Paul's life being threatened? Why, what has Paul done wrong? Had Paul had an affair? No. Was Paul embezzling money? No. Why was Paul in jail? Paul was in jail because he was preaching the gospel to Gentiles. Paul was in jail because he was serving others. Paul was in jail because he was teaching Gentiles that they could have the same forgiveness of their sins that the Jews could have. Paul was in jail for telling Gentiles, outsiders, that they could have the same forgiveness and they could be a part of the same body of Christ as Jews could. That's why he was in jail. Paul was in jail because of others. Here's the deal. Each of us in this room, and here's the part of this message, these next few moments, I want you to hear this. I've preached things like this before, but there is a passion behind this today where I feel like the Lord is trying to raise us up as a church. But here's the deal. Each of us in in this room have something that God has called us to do. Each of us have a gift on our lives. Each of us have a purpose. Pastor Chad, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Well, you have a purpose. Pastor Chad, I'm just a farmer. Well, you have a purpose. Pastor Chad, I'm just a teacher. No, you have a purpose. You have a gift. You have a calling on your life. And here's what I want you to hear. Our calling and our gift is not only about us. It's not only about our benefit. It's not only for our family or for our enjoyment or our comfort or our bank account or our toys or our gadget. Our gifts and our callings are put in us not only for ourselves, but our gifts and our callings are put in us so that God can use us to serve others. And we're going to look at this in, in a couple of weeks, but Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, I, I feel like we need to read it today. We're going to dive more in depth in it in just a couple of weeks, but listen to this. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, all right? That's the five-fold giftings in the body of Christ. That's the pastor, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist. That's those giftings right there. But listen to what it says. Their responsibility. Whose responsibility? The pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher. It's their responsibility. Whose responsibility? It's theirs. Is to equip who? Whose responsibility do we equip? Who's God's people? What are you called to do? Oh, you don't want to say that part. What are you called to do? I'm going to read this to you guys because I guess you can't. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, that's you guys, to do God's work and to build up the what? The body of Christ. Your responsibility in this is to build up the church. It's not mine. My responsibility is to build you up. My responsibility is to equip you. But for too long, the church has sat in seats and said, Pastor, you do that. Pastor, you serve the people. Pastor, you love people. Pastor, you work hard. Pastor, you do. we're going to consume. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere can I find where God said, you get to consume. 
My responsibility is your, as your pastor is to equip you to do the works of the ministry. That's what God has called me to do. Your job, listen, it says it right there in the Word. Your job is to do His work and to build up the church. That's God's calling on you. The church isn't about me. The church is about we. Hello? The church is about we. Some of us, listen, your responsibility, you have an assignment from God, and you are called to build the church. We are the church. The church isn't about me. It's about we. But by nature, all of us are self-centered. Okay, don't throw things at me, but I'm just going to preach right now, all right? We hear it all the time from Christians. We, hear, we talk about my personal time with the Lord. And I'm not saying don't have a personal time with the Lord. You need to have a personal time with the Lord. We talk about what God is doing in my life. I think we've become so fo- focused on me that we forgot we in the church. We forget corporate prayer. We forget what it's like to be a part of the body. And we're only focused on our journey and as long as I make it to heaven. You selfish people. What is God doing in my life? I don't want to come to church today. I don't feel ministered to, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Listen, it's not my job to minister to you. It's my job to equip you. You need to feed yourself. You don't go to a restaurant and ask the chef to come out and then cut up your steak and put it in your mouth. You feed yourself, right? Right? Am I, am I preaching truth here? But you want to come to church and hear me. I'm just, I don't want to say these things. I'd rather say things that make everybody in the room like me. But God has been telling me I've done that long enough. It's not my job to cut it all up into little bitty pieces and chew it up and then give it to you. It's my job to equip you. Then you go home and self-feed. You feed your son. You feed your daughter. You feed your wife. You feed your spouse. You do it. We've been selfish consumers long enough and we wonder why when COVID hits, why does the church fall apart? It's because we can't sit there and let Pastor Chad feed us. I knew this was one of those messages the Lord gave me, and I knew it was one of those. There's messages you like preaching, and you know everybody's going to be like, woohoo, and shouting, and there's messages you're thinking, they hate me. <laughs> this is one of those. I'm too busy, Pastor Chad. I don't have time to go to church. No, you're not too busy. You just have different priorities. It's all about me. And listen, here's, here's what I found out. When it comes to church, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to serving others, we're very narcissistic. But listen to me. I want you to hear this. I want you to write this down. When it comes to our purpose or what God has called each of us to do, it's not about meeting my needs. It's about meeting our needs. It's not about me. It's not about, it's about we. It's about serving others. It's about meeting and serving others and meeting their needs. And we do that together. Ephesians 2 verse 20 tells us, together we are his church. Together. Is anybody getting this today? Together, we are the church. Everybody say it with me. Say, we are the church. Come on, say it again. Say it with like you mean it. Say, we are the church. church. Together we do this. 
We are the church. And each of us play a major part in building the church. Number three. And this is, we're getting, we're getting somewhere today. The only way that others can know Jesus is if we, the church, tell them. The only way that others can know Jesus is if we tell them. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3, 2 through 6, Paul talks about a mystery here. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I've already written briefly and reading this, then you'll be able to understand my insight in the mystery of God, which was not made known to people in other generation, and it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God to his holy apostles and to prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together together of one body and shares together in the promise of Jesus Christ. What is this mystery that Paul is talking about here? Was he talking about a murder mystery, you know? Was there some, you know, Jewish John Grisham, you know, writing books and they're all trying to figure out this this mystery? No. Obviously, it's none of those things. They're talking about the fact that Gentiles and Jews are now equal members of the same body, and they both have access to God because of Jesus. And this mystery is nothing that no one could reveal to them except by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a mystery that God had kept hidden for generation after generation. And here's what I want you to hear today, that God began to reveal to them, and God has fully revealed to us today the only way for people to know that they can be forgiven of their sins, know Jesus as Lord, and be a part of the church that God is building as if A, God tells them supernaturally like he did to Paul, or B, if we tell them. And here's what I've discovered. 99.999% of the time, God is not coming to people in the middle of the woods and revealing himself to them naturally and saying, I am God, serve me. No. Stories actually tells us, facts actually say that 82 percent of people are in church today because a friend or a relative invited them. So why are people going to come to Jesus and why are people going to come to God? Because people like you told them. It's our responsibility. God has called us to do this. The majority of people Living today and living in future generations will come to Jesus not because of a Damascus Road experience. Some will. I'm not discrediting that. I know people have had some crazy encounters with God for the first time ever. But the majority of people are going to come to know Jesus because someone like you told them. And here, what's this mean? Our mission as the church is of utmost importance. And I feel like the Lord gave me some fresh revelation this week, and it's going to sound simple, but I'm going to give it anyway. The question isn't if we are called to be a part of God's mission. We are all called. We see that in Ephesians chapter 4. The question is, will we respond to the call? The question isn't, are we called? Mike Kim, you're called. Stacy Penny, you're called. Jody Woodman, you're called. Those watching online, you're called. The question isn't if I'm called. The question is, will you respond to that call? And Destiny Church, I want you to hear me. There's an urgency in my heart for this. There's an urgency in my heart for this like never before. This sounds like a message that I would preach to get people to volunteer. That isn't what this is. 
There's an urgency in my heart for this message that I believe God has put this in me. And God is saying, Chad, it is time for the church to be the church. And it's time for the church to rise up and quit being selfish, narcissistic consumers. And it's time to become who I've called you to be. It's not about me. It's about we. It's about others. Hello? The mission for us as a church is not only about others. It's not only about serving them and getting them saved, but also, number four, it's a gift to serve others in the church. It's a gift to serve others in the church. Look at verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Paul looked at serving in the church as a gift of God's grace. It was a privilege to serve even when he was in jail. Can you imagine that? Yes, Paul would have preferred probably to have been sunbathing on a beachside resort in Corinth rather than in a pit in Rome, you know? But he looked at what he was doing as a gift from God. Now, the word minister here, I know that a lot of times when you read that, of this gospel, I was made a minister. That's you, Pastor Chad. That's your job. You get to do it by grace. No, this word minister is also translated as servant. It's not talking about pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist. It's not talking about those things here. It's talking about all of us. If you do a little word study on this word minister, on this word servant here, it means an in-the-dust laborer. Paul is saying that doing what God has called him to do is a gift, even if it requires getting his hands dirty. Paul is saying, even if it requires some of my comfort, this is a gift. Even when times are tough, this is a gift. And Destiny Church, I want you to listen. And Destiny Church, I want you to hear me. Every single person in this room, those watching online, it is a privilege to serve others in the church, even if it requires getting our hands dirty, even if it requires sacrificing some of my precious time, it is a gift to serve others in the church. Remember, it's not about me, it's about we. Not only is it a privilege to serve others, but we are called to serve others. And I know there are some different opinions even in this room. I can feel it. I know there are some of you thinking in this room, Pastor Chad, you're only preaching this message to get volunteers. You're only preaching this message to make the church bigger. You're only preaching this message to make sure that we never... That couldn't be any further from the truth. There is no hidden motive in this. This is something you can ask several of our staff. I've been talking to them for weeks about what's happening in the church. This is directly from the Lord. My motive, my job as your pastor is to equip you so that you can do your part to help build the church. Here's the deal. I can lead you where God wants you to go, but I'm not going to force you to drink from that water. It's up to you, and it's up to you, and it's for your benefit and for the benefit of those you're called to serve and impact. It's a privilege to serve God. Here's what I'm going to tell you. For me, Chad Blancett, I consider it my highest honor to serve God and the body of Christ. Even when it's tough, even when it's times I've thought, man, I could surely go do something much easier than ministry. It is a privilege to serve God and the body of Christ. I get to do this. Let me tell you something. I, I hesitated on, on sharing this, but I want you to see that I'm not asking you guys to do something that I'm not willing to do. I want to tell you something I do around here at least once a month, and I generally do it when nobody else is in the building, and when nobody's watching, because every time I try to do it, when, when, when somebody's around, they're like, Pastor Chad, you shouldn't be doing that. No, this is something I do. I do it because you people spill drinks on this carpet, and I notice stains, and in the lobby I notice stains, and I don't like dirty carpets. 
So you know what I do? Why? Because I want you to come in and see the building as clean as it possibly be. And we have, we have a janitorial team, and they do a great job cleaning this building. And, and, and so I'm not, this isn't in any way coming against them. But I have many times on my hands and knees with nobody in the building come in and screen, scrub this carpet with a scrub brush and soap and water. Why? Because it's a privilege to serve God, even if it requires getting my hands dirty. It's a privilege to serve in the nursery. It's a privilege to get to church early and be a part of the worship team. It's a privilege to stay late and lock up the doors. It's a privilege to serve in the youth department. It's a privilege to serve as a greeter. It's a privilege to serve as a sound man. It's a privilege to stand behind a camera. It's a privilege to work with kids. It's a privilege to check somebody in. It's a privilege to greet somebody in the parking lot. It's a privilege to preach the gospel. It's a privilege to go to our 11 o'clock service, as a couple of guys did this morning because they had a wedding there, and it was a beer party, and it was a privilege for them to go and clean up all that beer and wipe up the concrete and mop it so that people can come to God's house and experience the gospel without standing in a puddle of beer. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to serve in the body of Christ. It's a privilege. Anybody hearing this today? It's a privilege. It's a privilege. I consider it my highest honor to get to serve in the body of Christ. Terry Bell, it's a privilege to be a missionary and go to countries that nobody else wants to go to. It's a privilege to be able to give and make a blessing in Africa because a kid was eating a bug off of a plant yesterday. It's a privilege to make a difference in the body of Christ. It's a privilege to play drums. It's a privilege to give. It's a privilege to serve. Is anybody else hearing me today? It's a privilege to serve on Tuesdays and feed people out of our food pantry. It's a privilege. And number five, and I'm beginning to wrap up, Paul says this, the privilege to serve is the opposite of what I deserve. Verse eight, Paul says, I'm the least, but this grace was given me to preach the gospel. Paul looked at the mirror and he said, I don't deserve this. I was a martyr of Christians. I murdered them. He was there when they stoned Stephen to death, laughing through it. He was arrogant. He was full of pride. But God saved him. What Paul deserved was death. What Paul got was life. What you and I deserve is not hope. What you and I deserve is not grace. What we deserve is death. But it is a privilege to serve God. Because of Jesus, this is what we get. And number six, I close. As a part of the church, we are significant. So never lose heart. Another way I can say this is the church is significant. The church is important and the church is necessary. All too often, and, and here's, here's where my heart is, and this is what's been revealed to me during COVID. Even among Christians, the church is viewed as something that's there for me if I have time for it. The church is viewed as necessary when I need it, but it's not necessary all the time. Here, let me say this. Many of us watching and in the room consider going to church as optional. Listen, can you, can you serve the Lord without church? I think you can. But that's not what the Bible's called us to. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible's called us to be a part of the church. In this world... If you were to rate the top 50 things in this world, church probably nowadays might not even be considered. The world is more concerned about things like COVID, global terrorism, global warming, 
the upcoming election, fluctuations in the stock market. And this marginalization, this marginalization of the church has seeped into the church. And it's caused the church to miss God's perspective and God's vision for the church. I want, you to tell, I want to tell you, what matters to God is his church. In Matthew 16, 18, what did God say he would build? Your comfort level or his church? Jesus said, and I will build my church. Say it again. I will build my what? God's eternal purpose focuses and centers on his church. If we want our lives to count for eternity, if we want our lives to be significant, listen to me, we've got to get God's vision and God's purpose for the church and we've got to live accordingly. The church matters. Church is significant. And I close with this. When we stay true to the Lord, and we stay true even during tough seasons, and when we begin to know who we are in Christ, as Ephesians tells us, and we begin to do all that God has called us to do, and we step up and become a part of the church, look at what verse 12 and 13 tells us. Because of Christ and our, this is the church's faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into His presence. So please don't lose heart. We are the church, and the church is significant, and the church matters, and we've all got to do our part. When you're not here, when you're not in the body, I'm not saying never miss. I'm not saying that. I'm not standing up here saying that in any single way, shape, or form. My family takes vacations. We go out of town. We do that. But listen, many of us, we've just considered the church as optional for so long. The church is significant church matters and you matter because you are the church and together we make a difference together all right so here's it i want to close here's the altar call today i didn't preach this message to get you to volunteer i didn't preach this message to get you to serve but i feel like that's the response today so matt there's a slide will you pull that up there should be a slide in there about serving here at Destiny Church. And there's multiple opportunities. I think that's in there. There's multiple opportunities for you to serve at Destiny Church. If it doesn't pull up here, we'll just do this. I want you all to get out your phones. I want to do something for you. This is the altar call. This is our altar response today. If you feel called, let me, let me change that. I just heard what I just said. If you feel called. It's not about if you feel called. You are called. I think we've done that too often. If you feel called. No, it's not about that. It's you are called. Okay? Here's what I want you to hear. I want you to grab your phone. I want you to go to destinychurch.me. And I, obviously, all I can do is get you here, but I can't force you to start typing things in. But if you're not serving in the body right now, I want you to do this. Go to destinychurch.me. I want you to go to your next steps. Go to your next steps. And then in there, there's a spot that says serve. And I want you to click on that. And then there's a spot where you can email or there's a spot that says click here. I want you to click that spot that says click here. And then ask for your name, your email, and all that. But it says where would you like to serve? 
this message rings true to you, whether you're watching online or in the room, I want you to do this. Why? Because you're called to contribute, not simply consume. And please hear me. I love you, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to be your pastor whether you serve or not. And I'm not going to treat you any differently. I'm not the one that's missing out when you don't serve. You're missing out, and the people God has called you to impact are missing out. So this is your opportunity. I want you to go there. You know, I I don't know if you guys know this, but I just want to kind of highlight a couple things, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to let you go. But I just feel like this is what the Lord wants to do right now. This couple's coming in and doing an amazing job leading our worship. Let's give it up for Anthony and Johnny, and this isn't about them, but they're doing a great job. But you man, and our entire worship team, they're doing a great job. But not just that, they're leading, since they've come in, we've had to start doing, we've fully doing live stream. Well, tomorrow, an entire new live stream system is, is put into this church. Anthony and I both say amen, hallelujah, we're excited about that. But there'll be four cameras and all this stuff. With We need live camera operators. You, if you've ever said, man, Pastor Chad, I would love to be a part of that team. And they're getting ready to do some stuff. But I just feel like this is an area, our worship team, our production team. Listen, we're doing more than ever. Right now, during service, half of our team leaves. Our sound guy and a lot of our video guys and our worship team, they leave so they can go over and get the 11 o'clock service ready. Listen, a church of our size should not have to have people leave. We should have more than enough people that just step up and do it. And if you want to serve in that department, just write, there's a spot you can click and our teams will get in touch with you. But I'm challenging every single one of you today to serve and to be who God has called you to be. Well, Pastor Chad, I'm busy. Well, guess what? All of us are. But you've got a spot to serve somewhere. I want to pray over you today. I want everybody to close your eyes and I want to pray over everybody in this room. Father, I just come before you and I pray from this section of the room all the way. And God, I, I, if I could lay hands on every individual on their heart or on their mind, I would pray something along these lines, Father, that you would touch their heart today and they would hear the urgency of this message and they would rise up and be all that you called them to be. Not, not, not so that Destiny Church grows, but so the body of Christ grows. And so that we impact who we're called to impact and we serve who we are called to serve. All of us have a part. All of us have a role. All of us have a place. All of us have a part in this, Father. And I pray that they would hear this message and not think this is just another message that a pastor preaches to get in my pocketbook or to get me to come to church more or to get me to do something in the house. No, God, this is a message that's from you. This is in your word. And so, Father, I pray right now that every single person that hears this message would respond to it. That that if they don't go on that website today and respond, God, that you would just mess with their heart. I pray that, God. I pray right now that you mess with all of us. God, you've messed with me in ways that make me uncomfortable. But God, in those moments of being uncomfortable is when I grow the most. And so God, I pray that you make us uncomfortable until we step into the place you've called us to be. And Jesus, I love you and I thank you. In your name I pray, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to do one last thing today. I want every one of you who you say today, I want to see it. I want to know who's responding. 
You say, Pastor Chad, you are maybe already serving or maybe you're not. But you say, Pastor Chad, I'm ready to do my part in what God has called me to do to minister to the body of Christ and to serve others. If that's you, you're ready to do your part. You say, I'm already doing it. I still want to see you. But if today spoke to you, you say, I'm ready to do my part to serve the body of Christ so that the body of Christ is built. I want you to stand to your feet. I want to know. Who is it today? I want to know where I am. Do I have five of you? Do I have 50 of you? I don't know. I'm ready to do my part. Father, I pray for those that are standing and I thank you for them and I know that with them you're going to do great things. I pray even for those that are seated today, Father, I know that you're going to do great things in and through them and you're just stirring their heart today. So God, would you prick their hearts? Would you do something deep in them so that they would know that they are called to make a difference? Every single one of us. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. I love all of you from the very bottom of my heart. I want you to hear that. And I know I went a long time today with the message, but this was one of those that got deep burned inside of me. And so I just wanted to challenge you guys with that word today. Do what God's called you to do. And your life, will, you will find fulfillment in your life that you haven't been able to find in other things. I love you guys. God bless every single one of you. Have a great, great day, a great week, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.